Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our service on January 30th in downtown Covington. This is part three of a series we're in on the book of Philippians called Letters from Prison. The title of today's message is Great. Uh, the title of today's message is Love and Wisdom. Not to be confused with Grace and Peace uh, from a couple weeks ago. Speaking of which, if you haven't checked out our podcast for the past couple of weeks, you might want to get caught up because each week kind of builds on the past week. So might check those out before you go on listening to this. And we kick off this podcast with a special song, a cover of Mavis Staples' You're Not Alone. So that's about the moment you're going to hit this service. So, hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org. And if you're around downtown Covington this Tuesday night, 6.30, we have our supper clubs, our small, small group supper clubs. So uh, that'll be part two of that. So enjoy. Thanks for listening. Isolated and afraid 
Open up, this is a raid. I want to get it through to you. You're not These guys make playing that song so easy. <laughs> Thanks to the geographically tightest band in downtown Covington on a Sunday morning. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're going through it, when you're really going through some trials and struggles, the, the, the thing you need is not a quick answer. Sometimes you just need somebody to say, hey man, you're not alone. I actually uh, had somebody, uh, being a pastor, you get phone calls late in the night, and <clears throat> I had a phone call late in the night from a, uh, a guy that was just going through it, and we talked for about 30, 45 minutes, and, and he's like, man, thanks, that, that, was, that was very helpful. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> it was just simply saying, you're not alone in this. I got your back. I'm with you in this. I found that that even happened for me this week. I started off the week feeling kind of overwhelmed and stressed out, and it was a few conversations with folks in this church that that really rescued me from that spot and, and just made me feel like, hey, you know, it feels sometimes like you're alone in something. It feels sometimes like there's nobody helping you out. Uh, feels sometimes like you're dealing with, with the stresses of life by yourself, but when you get somebody to come alongside you and say, hey man, you're not alone, I'm with you. I'm standing in the same place as you. 
it changes things. Because when sometimes when people offer you a pat answer when you're going through it, that doesn't really uh, do a lot for you, does it? Anybody had that, that, that go on before? You're struggling and somebody just, oh, you just need to pray harder. You just need to quote more scripture. You just need to do a little dance. You just need to uh, leave God. Well, I, I share that song, not just because I like it and I wanted an excuse to share it, which is part of the thing, but I, I think it kind of sets up what we're seeing going on in Philippians. We're in part three of our 40-part series on Philippians. We're just a few weeks into it and we're... Uh, we're, we're getting close to being done with the first chapter, but one, what I think is going on in this letter is that we see that Paul is 800 miles from the town of Philippi, and he's alone, isolated, shut in, in a prison cell. And the Philippian church sends a guy named Epaphroditus to him, bearing a gift and giving a report on what's going on. And, and, and I know for Paul, it was kind of like the words of this song, open up, this is a raid. I want to get it through to you that you're not alone. And you can tell that Paul, in, in this letter, he's overjoyed. He's just got affection and warm feelings in his heart. He's like, man, you guys are just amazing. You exceed my expectations. You came all this way to show me that I'm not alone. And on the side of it, we see this reciprocated with Paul's letter that Paul's telling the Philippian church, even though you guys are going through persecution right now, even though you're, you're finding struggles with folks inside the church, there's people with attitudes popping up and pride and, and factions. Even in the midst of all that, you're not alone. I'm with you, even though I'm 800 miles away. So, Today we're going we're gonna to look at, that. that's just to kind of set up the context a bit, and we're going to look into the um, Philippians 1, verses 7 through 11. I'll read this out here. Paul writes, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or for defending or con and confirming the gospel... Whether, am I, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the Glory and praise of God. Here we go. My voice is struggling, so I'm going to have to drink a lot of lemon ginger tea today. Paul starts off in a place of affection here. He's like, man, I just long, I, I long for you with, with affection the affection of Christ, and, 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 and God is my witness. God sees my heart. If he, if he could tell, if you ask him, he'll tell you. Even though I'm separated you by, by you, from you by this great distance, my heart is with you, and every time I think of you, it's like a light shining into this prison cell. It gives me joy. It lifts my spirits. And Paul goes on from that introduction to, to a prayer. But he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless 
for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, our word for the day is a word called epignosis. Everybody together? Epignosis. See if anybody's listening to me. Epignosis sounds like a, a bad condition. <laughs> I got a bad case of epignosis. Well, Paul wants us to all get epignosis. And epignosis, when he says, I want you that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, the word he's using is epignosis. It's a certain kind of knowledge. And the knowledge is a full knowledge, being acutely aware of something kind of from the inside out. It's a knowledge from experience. Now, back in December, I, I did a message. I think it was, I used the analogy of being either a tourist or being a local. And there's, there's a big difference, right? We like to be tourists sometimes, but it's a whole different thing than being a local. In a few weeks, I get to kind of take the, the trip of a lifetime. My, my dad uh, invited me to go with him on a trip to the Holy Land. And so I'm going to get to, uh, yeah, I get to go hang out in Israel, and then we're going to go to Georgia, Jordan, uh, Petra, old ancient rock city, rock, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that, but you know, between now and going there, I've never been there before, I could read every manual on the place, I could get all the history books out and study all the significance of these places, and, and really in three weeks, I could probably learn some things that, that, that folks living over there don't even know about their own place. But you know what? My, my knowledge is completely lacking in experience. It's completely from the outside. For instance, if you, you could take someone, let's say, up in Minnesota, where the food's probably not as good as what we have down here. And, and uh, probably, up, definitely, most definitely. <clears throat> can I get an amen? That's why it's so hard to lose weight in Louisiana. Uh, <clears throat> but somebody up in, in Minnesota could could have received a, a cookbook for Christmas that's, you know, New Orleans cooking, Cajun recipes, and they could get a, a recipe for gumbo, and, 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 and they could follow that recipe by the book and, and, and maybe turn out something different. But that's going to be quite different from somebody who's grown up in New Orleans eating their mom's recipe of gumbo that was handed down to her from her mom and her mom, <laughs> her mom's mom, and they've experienced gumbo their whole life. It's two different ways of coming at it. Someone from outside the state may have watched some documentaries or news programs on, on New Orleans and Bourbon Street, but boy, you don't know Bourbon Street till you've smelled it yourself, right? <laughs> the same goes for marriage. I know before I got married, I, I heard there's a program on, on the radio called Family Life Today. Anybody heard that? It's, uh, they talk about marriage. And uh, so I thought, I'm getting married. So I listened to the program. I'm like, ah. Oh. That's how you do it. Okay, cool. Somebody got me a Gary Smalley book. Gary Smalley's this, this author who writes a lot about marriage stuff. So I read that book. So I read a book, listened to some programs. I even heard some preachers talk about marriage. So I'm like, how hard can this thing be, right? <laughs> and I, I, I realized within about two or three days of being married that, wow, there's a lot to this marriage thing that you can't get from the outside. There's, there's a lot of knowledge that you can only be mar you can only experience it in the context of marriage. That's the only way you're going to learn. And, and, and all, all my friends who, back when I had my band, our, our sound guy, he was not married, and all of us over the years were getting married in the band, and we would take these trips out to California, and our wives, you know, after 16 hours, everybody gets a little grumpy, and he's, 
He's like, man, I don't know why all the women in this, in this van are having such a problem. Why, why don't they just... I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> he was speaking like someone who wasn't married. <laughs> someone who didn't have a clue. Paul is saying, I don't want you to have the knowledge of a tourist here. I want you to have the knowledge of a local. I want it to be something that you experience from the inside. That you don't just experience intellectually. Actually, epignosis is the same word that Jesus used when he, when he says in John 8, 31 through 32, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know, epignosis, the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus is, is, is not saying if you learn everything and study real hard and cram for the exam and can say all the right answers when Bible trivia happens, then, then you're going to get free. Now, the reality is, there were some people in his day, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, man, those guys could have passed any Bible trivia question you could answer. I mean, it was common back in that day, if, if you were serious, uh, you know, about that stuff, you would, you would at least memorize the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And then the, the, the guys who were really serious, they would, would memorize all the prophetic books. There's, I'm sure there's people in here who haven't even read the whole Old Testament yet just read it. These guys would memorize it. But, but Jesus has to get on to him several occasions because he's like, you guys, you, 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 you got all the answers, but you missed the point. You haven't experienced knowledge from the inside. It's all external. It's all out here. Jesus is saying, I want you to experience my teaching and you will know, you will experientially know the truth and that truth will bring freedom to your life. And that's not too unlike what Paul is saying in his prayer for the Philippian church. I don't want you to just read about a recipe. I don't want you to just read about marriage. I want you to experience it from the inside. So Paul starts this story with, with talking about human affection Warm, fuzzy feelings, and he certainly got that for the Philippian church, but he moves on from there to God kind of love. And you know what? God kind of love, it's bigger than our feelings. Thank God, right? He actually, in in Romans 5, 6, and 8, 6 through 8, he says this. He kind of defines God's love a bit. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might probably dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a pretty big deal there. While we were still sinners. In other words, we weren't so lovable (laughs) that that Jesus just goes, man, I love you guys. You're you're trying so hard to be right. No, he says, while you were enemies, while you were spitting on my name, that's when I laid my life down for you. That's the kind of love that God has. You know, as a father, I I can kind of understand this love just in a bit. There's times when my kids, they they argue and they fight and they disobey me and they're they're rebellious sometimes. And I got to tell you, when, when Tevye and her brother Ezra are fighting, when they haven't done what I've asked them to do, you're just getting embarrassed, right? <laughs> Not that that ever happens. But um, when that happens, I don't have warm feelings towards my kids. I'm not thinking, oh, I just love it when you don't do what I ask you to do. 
I just love it when you complain and you hit your brother and all that stuff. No, I, 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 it, I get the opposite of warm, fuzzy feelings. But that doesn't change the fact that I still choose what's best for my kids. In a very small way, that's a little bit of God's love. I mean, I'm not taking credit for that. But the fact that I can seek the best for my kids, regardless of what they're doing, uh, you know, performance-wise, that's, that's just a, a small scale. And God's saying, I want you to, I, Paul, Paul is saying, I want you guys to grow in the God kind of love that's bigger than your emotional ups and downs, that you don't just love people when they're loving you, but you move into that Jesus kind of love. You know, one of, one of my least favorite passages in the Bible is, it's a word from Jesus. He says, in Matthew, he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, he says, um, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who spitefully use you. Anybody a big fan of that one? You don't see too many bumper stickers with that part on there. You know, we, we like to talk about all kinds of things, but when it gets to that love and enemy stuff, oh my gosh, are you crazy? I'm all about, I like the love God part. I like the, oh, sing, sing some worship songs to Jesus, glory to the king, that's great. But loving somebody who's talking bad about me, loving some, one of my coworkers who is, uh, you know, spreading lies to my boss, Loving that woman at, at you know my kid's school who is uh, her kid is 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 being awful to my kid and she won't do anything about it. And yet, that's the kind of love that Paul's talking about that these guys need to grow in. You need to grow in the kind of love that's not just I love you when you're doing good things to me, but the same kind of love that Jesus had that when he was dying on a cross, he loved the very people who were crucifying him. Now. That, that, that's a crazy kind of love. And, and you meet very few people who are good at that kind of stuff. But you meet the, the people that you do meet, they make a lasting impression on your life <laughs> because they got something of Jesus' character. And when you get around them, you're like, man, that, that person reminds me of Jesus. Paul goes on to define the love. He says that I want you to, you're, to grow in a love that's pure and blameless, now, these two phrases here begin to set up what he's going to cover. We're in, the, in, the, in the coming weeks, we're going to see that part of two, two of the issues that the Philippian church was facing, one was there were people outside the church that were persecuting him. So it was, you know, what may have started as a small group of people, and they were kind of under the radar. Now they're starting to, to have persecutions. Because what I said last week is, uh, if you weren't here, check it out. Uh, but to say Jesus is Lord and Savior they were actually saying that something that the Romans would say in that day, that Caesar was Lord and Savior. So they were actually not just making a statement of worship, and it was actually a, a subversive statement. The government didn't like it because it threatened their power. And so they're having, they're having problems with, with Rome, but they're also having problems within. We're going to see that more in the couple, coming weeks, that there were people in the Philippian church who were starting to be motivated by selfish ambition and pride and, and starting to try to make clicks and all that stuff. And Paul says, I want, your love to, I want you to grow in a love that's pure. So that, that's stemming from good motivation. You know, you can do things for other people, and it's not out of a good motivation sometimes. Anybody ever done that? Probably no one, but you know, no one in here. But you could do some things 
you can love people, you can make lavish gifts to people, and you do it from a place of pride. Like, I want to look like I'm a giving, loving guy. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to do things from that motivation, but the love of God. And also, he says, blameless. Blameless is just lacking offense, that we're not easily offended with people, and we're not easy to cause offenses. Because where the Philippians were at that point, they had ample opportunity day after day to get offended (laughs) and to get prideful. Because what happens when you get offended many times? You get prideful. Oh, you talk bad about me? Well, we'll see. But again, just like the opening song that we say, Paul is saying, look, I know this is what you're facing, but you're not alone. I'm stuck here in this prison. I got some folks that are preaching the gospel, and they're doing it out of selfish motives. They're doing it to, to mock me and, and make my life harder. I got Roman guards that, that I'm, I'm having a trouble with. And, and so Paul is saying, what you guys are going through, I'm going through it here as well. I'm trying to be pure and blameless and grow in the love of God, and some days it's easier than others. So Paul Prays that they would grow in that, that kind of love, pure, blameless, transcending the emotional up and downs. And finally, in verse 11, he says that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul, Paul is basically saying that that love, the God kind of love, when we live in that place, when our hearts are open to that, when we're growing in that, it's going to give birth to wisdom. All of a sudden, we're going to know the right thing to do when it comes. An interesting thing, though, that, that, that Paul hits on here, that, you know, the word righteousness, when we hear that, it, sometimes it, it's hard for us to get our minds around it, but, but here, probably a better understanding of it would be right living. I want you to be filled with the fruit of right living, that, that you would live in such a way that would bear fruit in your life. Now, I, I did an experiment last year at this time, and if you were here several months ago, well, back last year at this time, which I don't think most of y'all were here last year. There's about five of y'all here last, last year at this time. But I started a garden. We moved out to Abita Springs, and we'd been living in Kenner, and... Uh, so for seven years, we just had a concrete patio, and then all of a sudden, like, like, I've got a yard. So I decided to do a garden, and I was all excited about having tomatoes and onions and jalapenos and cilantro and all that stuff to make salsa. That was my main goal for last year, you know? That was my big New Year's resolution. I will have salsa for my own garden. It was a very small bowl, <laughs> and it was missing the onions <laughs> and the cilantro. It's kind of like tomatoes and jalapenos. <laughs> and it's all shriveled up and dead now. I'm supposed to say that. Uh, but one thing, one thing that I did learn about gardening was you got to do an awful lot of stuff before you ever see fruit. Before you ever see actual vegetables popping up in your garden, you got to, there's a whole lot of just getting the ground right, pulling up weeds. Do you mind shutting that door? It's, it's, I'm sorry. This is going to get real loud here in a minute. <clears throat> but for, for the first few months, you're just preparing the soil, pulling weeds, making sure there's enough water, enough sunlight. Uh, and then, 
you know, when the plants start to get a little big, then you got to, if they're tomato plants, you got to then get a, you know, stake them up and put cages around them to support the structures so that they can bear fruit. And man, and then when you finally start seeing fruit appear, then you got to make sure the insects don't get it or the raccoons or the squirrels or whatever. And it's, so it's a very long process before you get there. But, but that's what Paul compares us to, the fruit of righteousness. But Paul actually in Galatians, he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These things grow organically. But like gardening, they take time. Have you ever just wanted, you ever come up for prayer at the church, you know, or where, not, not this church, but you just like, man, I, I, there's some things in my life that need to change, and you just, you want them changed that day, and you go get prayer, and you're, you're hoping for the fast track, right? <laughs> well, that's not what we see here. <laughs> Paul is talking about transformation, but he's talking about transformation that takes a long time. It, it's like fruit in a garden. It's an organic process that happens And as we abide in God's love, as we live in that place, it will begin to slowly over time bear forth the fruit of righteousness. And that fruit of righteousness, that God kind of love, gives birth to wisdom so that we will know what to do, we'll we'll have discernment. 1 Corinthians 1, 13 through 25 roughly Apostle Paul writing another letter to one of his churches he planted um, that was facing similar issues, probably a little bit larger scale in their church, that there were people who were beginning to to be contentious and being motivated by pride and selfish ambition. And Paul says, um, verse 13, he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God... Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in wisdom of in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Verse twenty four But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than than human strength. What Paul's getting at here is that when we abide in the God kind of love, the love that that seeks the best of others, regardless of what they're doing towards us, when we abide in that kind of love and grow in that kind of love, even though it may seem hard, it may seem like a long process, it may seem like gardening. (laughs) It may seem like a whole lot of tilling up the ground, putting seeds in, watering, and Nothing to show for it. If we live that kind of thing, it will eventually give wisdom. Now, book of Proverbs says there's, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its, but its actual end is death. If you leave any of us in this room up to our own feelings, the, the way that we would normally act, we're all going to die. <laughs> if, we're, if we just do what's natural, because naturally, I'm motivated by pride, 
selfishness, arrogance, and those are just the, the, the light ones. <laughs> That's all I want to get into this morning because I've got too much pride. <laughs> That's the way that's normal for us. It's normal for us to love those who love us back. It's normal for us to do good to those who do good to us. It's foolishness. As, as, as Paul writes here, the, the, the very wisdom of God seems like foolishness to us. It's so counterintuitive to the way we, we live. But when we live that way, it bears forth the fruit of righteousness. We find that we experience transformation. I have been around a few people in my life that, that show what this looks like. And I got to tell you, getting around them, it's just so much joy, so much life. There's no offenses in their heart. There's no bitterness. They're truly free. And Paul is going to get on down the road in, in Philippians. He's going to get down to all the little issues. But at the beginning of this letter, he says, look, before we get into all the little issues that you guys are facing, all the trials that you're going through, I just want to open up with a prayer that you would grow in God's love and ultimately that that love would give you the wisdom you need to navigate your relationships that you could bear fruit as individuals and as a church so this morning they having fun back in there maybe we ought to invite them on in here <laughs> So this morning, I want to just close by, by praying Paul's prayer for our church, by reading these words through and just kind of spending a few moments meditating on these words and letting them be our prayer for this week. <laughs> so close your eyes, and I'm just going to pray, pray this out. I'll read it through twice. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, right living that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Lord, we just make that prayer our prayer this morning, God. Lord, help us to grow in your love. Give us the, the grace in, in the coming days to, to love our enemies, God, to, to love those who are adversaries. Lord, to seek the best for, for those around us, even when they offer nothing in return. Lord, teach us how to grow in that love, that we may be able to navigate the waters of, of relationships and, and, and issues that, 
that we're facing as individuals and as a church. We ask you for your grace and peace and your love to be revealed in our hearts. In Jesus' name.